In the name of Jesus, amen. The text for our sermon this evening uh, comes from the gospel reading, in particular, uh, the Old Testament quotation there in verse 5. Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Today we are reminded that Advent is not a new idea, that this idea of our king coming to us, his people, is nothing new. It's always been the case. This is how our God has always operated. He comes to us in humble ways. Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. When we think of the people in the Old Testament, we think of them as always looking forward, thinking of a day when they'll see the promised Messiah if he comes in their life. One thing that we often forget, though, as we contemplate the Old Testament is that God's presence was always with his people. Even at that time, they had a word of promise They had the pillar of cloud by day as Israel in the Exodus. They had the pillar of fire. God was with his people in ways that they could see. They had the leadership of Moses. God was with them through Moses. God was with his people. His presence was in the Ark of the Covenant. He was with them in the temple and the cloud that stood over the Ark. God was always with his people. They could locate God. They could find him if they desired, but it required faith. It required faith that the promises of God's enduring presence with them was there. Even though they didn't see God, they believed his promise, his word, and the symbol there representing him. You hear it even in the text. When, they quote, when this passage is quoted from the Old Testament, the text says, your king is coming to you. They could have heard this, this prophecy. They could have heard this and said, yeah, we know our king is coming to us now. But it's the second part of it that gave them the forward-looking trust and faith that he would be different. He would come in a rather humble way, the donkey, the foal. God tested his people throughout all their days to see if they would seek him by faith in the promises. Would they believe and trust that he is coming to them? God's people, they first received the temple for what it was meant, of course, They believed that it was here that God forgave them their sins, where God received their sacrifices, where they prayed and give thanks. But then remember what happened to the temple. The Jews no longer believed. The temple became an obstacle to the faith. The Jews thought the temple was their destination The people no longer lived by faith in the promise of God's presence, but it was their presence in the temple. Look at me. I'm here offering the sacrifices. 
God should be happy with that. Remember, Jesus went to the temple, and he was not happy with what he found. It wasn't that the temple was bad, but the people no longer came to the temple in prayer and faith. The temple had become a place of commerce, where they just went through the motions and they said, I've done my duty. Jesus was not impressed. God said through the prophet Jeremiah tonight that a change will come. If you paid attention to the reading from Jeremiah, you noticed the distinction. First, Jeremiah said, No longer will you say, as the Lord led his people, but a day will come when you will say, as the Lord lives, who brought up and led the offspring. The difference is minor in wording, but profound in meaning. You see, from the days of old, God said he would send a king, a righteous branch who shall reign like a king. The question is, what is this king going to look like? What kind of king will he be? Would he be like the kings of old, who tried to call a truce with the earthly powers like King Ahaz tried to do? Because Ahaz didn't want to live by faith. Ahaz didn't want to trust in the promise of God, even when God said, ask me anything and I will give you a sign. It wasn't uncommon for God to give signs. But you see, God was with his people in humble ways and Ahaz didn't like that. Ahaz wanted victory. Ahaz didn't want to live by faith, but he wanted to trust in his political prowess that he could, he could mend together a treaty and they wouldn't have to trust God. But God was always with his people in humble means. And it required faith. Because faith is more enduring than power or prestige or wealth or anything that we can do on our own. When Christ comes again, his final advent, all people, believers and unbelievers, will have to confess the truth that we hold by faith right now. And when Jesus returns, faith will no longer be seen as subpar as compared to seeing God in the flesh, walking with him and seeing him. Because, you know, if you think about it, that's what most people say. Oh, I wish I could just talk to Jesus. I wish I could just see Jesus. I wish he would just tell me what to do. But Jesus himself said, blessed are those who have not seen yet believe. Jesus spoke to Thomas as if when you see Jesus and you believe, it's less glorious than when you behold Jesus only by faith. The question, do you believe because you see, when Jesus returns, we will all see that as foolish compared to plain and simple faith. You see, we're no different than the disciples. We're no different than those in the Old Testament who wanted proof, who demanded that God answer to us. You are no different than those who walked and talked with Jesus and yet still doubted. The things that get you to doubt God's presence today would be the same things that would cause you to doubt God even if you were sitting and talking with Jesus in person. 
It was always by faith. The people in our gospel reading today, they show us this. They were tempted to see Jesus as an earthly king who's come, well, to do kingly things. What worldly kings do? Save us from all our suffering. In our reading today in the triumphal entry, when Jesus comes into Jerusalem, Jesus tells the disciples to go and take a donkey and her colt. Jesus says when the owner objects, just tell them with a simple word, the Lord has need of it. That's it. The Lord has need. And the owner will say, yeah, sure, go ahead, take it. Now, this is, this is impressive to be able to take someone's property without him even objecting. It's, a, it's amazing. It would be like you going to a Porsche dealership to borrow a Turbo 911 because you say, my pastor needs to go to the beach to go fishing. And the owner says, sure, no problem. Don't even worry about returning it with a full tank. The disciples and others around Jesus saw hints of his kingship. But from episodes like this, many thought that meant he was going to be an earthly powerful king. He could just say, give me a donkey and people will do it. Everything's going to go our way. They thought Jesus might come and perhaps end poverty. Maybe he'll stop worldwide hunger. That's the kind of king we want. Maybe a king who would remove all the Roman cruel dominion over us. But Jesus did none of that. We too can be tempted to stand with those around Jesus, wave our palm branches. We might be ready to lay our coats down in giving all kinds of offerings and large gifts to the church, like the people who, whose coats were surely trampled when they laid them down. You may even expect Jesus to make Sunday mornings or Wednesday evening services easy for you because you think God owes you, that you've sacrificed time or you've put away working around the house. You might be like Martha who thought being busy was better than being in God's house. That if Jesus is a good king, he better show it by making my life easier. If I'm going to be in church on Sunday, he better make it easy for me. If I'm going to be there on Wednesday, it better be convenient. You may be tempted to think Jesus is this kind of king. Or that he's come to stop poverty. That he's come to stop cancer in its tracks when we say the right prayer. And of course, Jesus has in a sense come to end all suffering and death, but not in this life. This life is afflicted with sin and suffering because of our own sins. It's our fault that things are the way they are. Sin, doubt, anger, and jealousy. Jesus has not come to just reform this world. But for the sins of this world to be absorbed into him on the cross. So that he may destroy all sin, all evil, and all, even death itself. And make a new kingdom, a new heaven, a new earth. He preserves all of you that is good. And he even makes up for your mistakes. 
He sanctifies you wholly and perfectly. Christ comes as a king to bring a new kingdom, to make you new. Not a kingdom of this world, but a kingdom that far supersedes and that kingdom can only be beheld by faith. A kingdom that is humble, a king who comes on a donkey, a king who still comes to us in ways that are not glorious. Ways that are not glorious according to earthly kingdoms. Because the ways he comes to us still requires faith. And listen to what the prophet said. Behold, your king is coming to you. It's present tense. And he comes to us, of course, in his word and sacrament. Behold, your king comes to you. Your sins and temptations are no no different than anybody else's who doubted God's promises of care, protection, and guidance. There's no temptation that afflicts you that's not common to others. The things that tempt you have destroyed the faith of others because they embraced temptation. They dove headlong into sin and shipwrecked their faith. But that doesn't have to be the case for you. Not that you champion over your sins by some power you pull within yourself, but because you repent, you receive Jesus' forgiveness, you believe that your King is still coming to you even now, that not even your sins can keep Him away from you, that you receive Him as He says He is with us now in His Word and Sacrament, so that when we pray, Thy kingdom come, Christ answers that promise with a humble word. This is how your king comes to you, humble and mounted on bread and wine, water and word, just like he always has come to his people. He will not leave us, and yet we remember he will come again. He will come again with glory so that we may dwell securely in his kingdom forever. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord.